again, the high priest asked him and said to him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Then Jesus answered him, I am. Good morning, Christian America. As we continue our journey through the gospel of Mark in today's passage that we're going to read to you, that we're going to show to you, that we're going to talk to you about, Jesus is betrayed and he's brought before the high priest and the entire Sanhedrin. And he's questioned. What is he questioned on and how he answers is most vitally important to who we follow as Christians. Let's get into the word of God and discuss this morning. Good morning, Christian America. And good morning, Christian America. Eddie here is always representing the Christian American revitalization effort, where we seek to revitalize the Christian faith across this nation. It's no surprise to any follower of ours. It should be no surprise to any Christian across our nation that our faith is in desperate need of revitalization across our country. It's because we have turned away from God. It's because we have turned away from the Christian principles that this nation was founded on, that we see so much strife, that we see so much division, that we see so many problems at, on all aspects of our society today. And so the goal of this organization is to revitalize the Christian faith, to make America to remember what is objectively and truthfully righteous. And that, friends, is the word of God. It's God within us. It's God all around us. It's God in our lives. And it's us knowing that, worshiping him and treating one another as he calls us to be treated. And so with that, friends, if you like what we're trying to do, if you support this mission, if you support this work, we don't ask for donations. We just ask that you subscribe to this YouTube channel, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to this Rumble channel, wherever it is that you're watching or listening uh, to this. We just ask that you like us and follow us and subscribe to us. That is how you can be a part and contribute to the Christian American revitalization effort. And today we want to continue our journey through the gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 14. Today we're going to start at verse 43. If you followed us in the previous podcast leading up to today, you know that we're, uh, we're, we're following Jesus as he's getting ready to enter his passion, right? He, he's just about to be turned over. When we left you on Friday, Jesus was kind of chastising his disciples for falling asleep uh, on him at the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, the last words that we left you are, get up, see my betrayer is here. And so that's where we're going to pick up today. We're going to show you scripture. We're going to read it to you so, so that there's no mistake as to what is being said. And it's very important, even within the Christian community, so many people have a, a false understanding of what Jesus actually says in the Gospels. They have a false understanding of what scripture actually says, because they, if you don't read it in context, if you don't read it verbatim, then it's easy, it's easy to be led astray by those who cherry pick verses in order to fit an agenda. And we don't want to do that here. So get your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark, starting on chapter 14, verse 43. Verse 43 says that then while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12 arrived accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs 
who had come from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. His betrayer had arranged a signal with them, saying, the man that I kiss is the one. Arrest him and lead him away securely. He came and immediately went up to him and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. At this, they laid hands on him and arrested him. One of the bystanders drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus said to them in reply, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to seize me? Day after day, I was with you teaching in the temple area, yet you did not arrest me, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Now a young man followed him wearing nothing but a linen cloth around his body. They seized him, but he left the cloth behind and ran off naked. Verse 53 says that they led Jesus away to the high priest and to all the chief priests and elders and the scribes came together. Peter followed him at a, at a distance into the high priest's courtyard and was seated with the guards, warming himself at the fire. The, pre, the chief priests and the entire Sanhedrin kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus in order to put him to death, but they found none. Many gave false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. Some took the stand and testified falsely against him, alleging we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another not made with hands. Even so, their testimony did not agree. The high priest rose before the assembly and questioned Jesus, have you no answer? What are these men testifying against you? But he was silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said to him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus answered him, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And at that, the high priest tore his garments and said, what further need have we of witnesses? We have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as deserving to die. Some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him and struck him and said to him, prophecy. And the guards greeted him with blows. Verse 66 says that while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the high priest's maids came along. Seeing Peter warming himself, she took, she looked intently at him and said, you too were with the Nazarene Jesus, but he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. So he went out, he went into the outer court then the cock crowed. The maid saw him again and began again to say to the bystander, bystanders, this man is the one, is one of them. Once again, he denied it. A little later, the bystanders said to Peter once more, surely you are one of them for you too are Galilean. He began to curse and to swear. I do not know this man whom you are talking about. And immediately the, the cock crowed a second time. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had said to him before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. He broke down and wept.
This is a longer passage than we typically come to you with, but it's important to get all of these things into context. First and foremost, the betrayer of Jesus is someone who is his friend, seemingly, and in the past has been his friend. How many people or how many times has someone close to you betrayed you? It's, isn't it, doesn't it seem interesting that those who are closest to you are the ones that can betray you the, the most, the, the ones that can hurt you the most? It's not just you. It's not your own circumstance. This same circumstance happens to Jesus, someone who has been with him for Whatever reason, the devil gets that foothold. And there's a lot of, there's always a lot of speculation on what could it have been that led Judas to do the things that he's done. Even given the warning this same night, and we talked about this probably two podcasts ago, where Jesus warns his betrayer at the Last Supper that it would be better if that person would never have been born. It's like giving him a, an out, giving him a chance not to do it. But yet he does it anyway. It's one's own ambition. It's one, one's own greed. It's own, one's own lust. It's one, one's own jealousy. And the list goes on and on of the things that make people turn away from God, turn away from righteousness, turn away from what is good, objectively, truthfully, and go a different path because they're caught up in their own self. They're caught up in their own ambition. They're caught up in their own agenda. They're caught up in their own ideology. They instead turn to the fruits of the world, the treasures here on earth and away from the treasure in heaven. And when you do that, Jesus says to Judas, it would be better if that man had never been born. When you turn away from God, Nothing good comes out of that. I've never seen, I've never heard, I've never read about someone who turned away from the biblical truths, who turned away from the word of God, who turned away from kindness and love and generosity and caring and, and, and being loving to other people, to being a good neighbor, someone who turns away from all that and their life gets better. The life of their kids get better. The life of their community gets better. I've never heard that. I've never read that. Every, every ancient story of some ancient civilization that has led to doom and destruction and calamity and revolution and mass murder, it's all when they turn away from what made them who they were the understanding of basic common sense biblical truths that sustains life in a cohesive society, starting with the individual and the nuclear family, that builds a strong community, that then serves as the cornerstone, as the building block of a larger society. Anyone who turns away from that leads to their downfall. They lead to their own downfall. They lead to the downfall of their family. They lead to the downfall of their community. 
from the individual to the family, to the community, to society. When one turns away and others join, that is a society that is headed down the wrong path. When Judas turns away from God, he commits suicide. He betrays his teacher. He betrays the son of man and he, he cannot forgive himself. He cannot repent in what he's done because his own agenda, his own idea of who he is, for whatever reason, doesn't lead him to. And we can juxtapose that with Peter in this passage as well. At the end of this passage, and we're going to skip over some of the Sanhedrin, we'll get back to it. But at the end of this passage, when just a few hours earlier, Jesus foretold Peter, and we did this two weeks ago or two podcasts ago, maybe one podcast ago, he foretold Peter that he was going to deny him. And Peter said, I, even if it costs me my life, I will not deny you. A few hours go by, and this takes place. The maid recognizes Peter, and Peter says, I don't, I'm not with him. And then he, he tries to escape. He goes onto the outer of the court, and the maid follows him and said, no, you were with him. I don't know who you're talking about. And then someone else comes up to him and say, wait a minute, you're from Galilee. You're, you have to be one of his. And he curses and swears and says he doesn't know what they're talking about. And he denies Jesus three times, just a few hours later, when he said he would never do it, that he would rather die than deny Jesus. When the crap hits the fan, folks, people who give lip service to how they will stand strong and how they'll be there for you, that's not always the case, is it? Even those that are closest to us will betray us and will let us down. But that's not a reason for us to think that there is something wrong with us. That's not a reason to think that there is something wrong with you. These things happen to Jesus. These things happen to the Son of of man. These things happen to the Messiah. These things happen to God made flesh. If they happen to him, then who are we to believe that they shouldn't happen to us? Who are we to believe that we are so individually special that the people who are closest to us can't betray us? That won't deny us. That won't turn their back on us. That won't hand us over because just like Peter, Jesus tells us that in order to be a follower of his, that our brothers will turn us over, that our fathers will turn over their sons, that their daughters will turn over their mothers, that brother will turn over brother. The verbiage and the language used to describe the passing of Jesus to all of these different collections of people, the Gentiles, the rulers, the religious, the regular people that pass him along to his crucifixion are an indictment of the people 
as a whole. The religious leaders are looking for a way to persecute you as well. If you go against their own agenda, if you go against their own personal plans, they will come after you. But fear not, they came after Jesus. The powers of this world, the governors and the rulers, those who make the laws, if you go against them, if you are a threat to them, they will crucify you. They will embarrass you. They will mock you. They will make a spectacle of you. But fear not. Because they did that to Jesus too. Your friends may turn on you. Those closest to you may deny you and betray you. But fear not. Because it happened to Jesus as well. And if it can happen to a sinless man, and we are full of sin, why wouldn't we think this could happen to us as well? So hand it over to the Sanhedrin. Jesus stands there, and he answers nothing. They throw accusations at him. And he doesn't call names. He doesn't physically fight. He doesn't spit on them. He doesn't try to troll them. He doesn't get sarcastic with them. He doesn't make fun of them. He doesn't, he doesn't fight back in this childish way that we in this country now seem to fight amongst each other on social media with a bunch of childish name calling or absurd accusations. He simply stands there and allows his accusers to accuse him. They bring forth all of these people who testify falsely against him. And he doesn't call them out. He doesn't refute it. He doesn't make fun of them. He doesn't get antagonistic. Just allowing these people to voice their lies, their lies themselves can't make a cohesive argument against him. Scripture says, no matter what they said, they just didn't agree, right? It didn't make sense. They could tell that it wasn't true. And so when you're accused of things that are not true, you don't need to lash out. You don't need to be sarcastic. You don't need to act the fool. You just need to stand strong in the truth. And this last point that I'll make about this passage, because there's always confusion, right? There's always confusion with different Christians, so-called Christians, people who call themselves whatever they call themselves. Point blank, this is the religious leaders, understand this is the religious leaders of the Jewish community that are asking Jesus, are you God? Are you the Messiah? 
and the phraseology of the son of man and what that means in in uh biblical history especially the 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 jewish history there's a lot of wordplay that goes in to to the words that jesus uses and these uh the, the words of messiah son of man the most blessed one all these things but make no mistake they are accusing jesus of saying that he is god they are accusing jesus of saying that he is divine they are accusing jesus of equating himself with god they'll use that phrase in a later passage of scripture and so the chief of priests asked him caiaphas asked him are you the messiah the son of the blessed one and jesus response is two words i am i am and jesus says this in all the gospels they record him at various times when asked about who he is, and his answer is, I am. Anyone who's familiar with the story of Moses and the burning bush, and Moses asks, who should I tell sent me? And God tells him, tell them that I am sent you. I am that I am, right? That is God, he who is Jesus's response in all four Gospels and right here in this passage is the same response. I am. From the very beginning, I am who was there at the beginning. I am the one who sent Moses. I am the one who is before Abraham. That is his response. That is what his charge is. That is what will lead to his crucifixion and earthly death is the claim that Jesus is God. And that's why he's crucified. There's a lot, there's, there's some people that say that they're Christian, they don't, but they say that Jesus never said that he was God. He says it quite clearly in all four gospels. That's why it's important that we read them verbatim. We kind of understand what's going on here. And so if you like messages like this, if you get something out of this, we just ask that you share this on your social media profile, that uh, you subscribe to this podcast, you subscribe to this YouTube channel, this Rumble channel. We're on all the social media platforms, Parler, uh, Rumble, uh, the Rumble channel as well. So um, if you, again, once again, if you want to support the Christian American revitalization effort, we just ask that you subscribe. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, until Friday, you guys stay on fire for Christ. Stay blessed. Good morning, Christian America.